Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Bosses only hang with bosses. Bosses never take a loss. Boss never is a Boss steady doing numbers. Woo. They say my back against the wall, but I'm ten toes deep and I'm still standing tall. I'm way, way, way up. These haters get their weight up. Never gonna take a loss. Blessed day to be a boss. Oh, oh. Yes, sir. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. We are back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We back with another one. You know it. Welcome <laughs> to another edition of the Out of My League podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Deshaun. And as always, we are here to give you all the latest sports takes, debates, updates, news, news, news. For sure, man. For sure. How was your weekend? My weekend was good, man. Chilled out. Just watched a little bit of football. Didn't do too much. I'm starting to get into the college basketball mode. Mm-hmm. I think because Carolina's playing more and the season's in full swing, especially for conference. Yeah. But we're not that great. so it's a little bit tough for me yeah but you know we're getting there we're getting there hoping we can have something before the acc tournament and then hopefully we make the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. good lord but other than that man yeah just chill and watch football what about you yeah man chill watch football i watched a little bit college basketball as well okay i saw you know texas texas tech going yeah oklahoma all those teams playing so it was really good battles there in the big 12 um and then we have obviously Championship Sunday in the yes. NFL. <laughs> yes, it was Conference Championship Sunday, and it started out with the GOAT yeah. beating that bad man yeah. down in Lambeau Field, 31-26, to take the Bucks to the Super Bowl, which they will host at home for the first time in history. Yeah. What does this mean for Tom Brady's legacy, man? He's the GOAT. I mean, there's nothing else that you Literally. can say, or there's not a, another... There's, there's nothing else you can say better about Tom Brady. I mean, six six rings. You've been to 10 Super Bowls. This is insane. Yeah. This, I, <laughs> it's, he's it's the insane. GOAT. He's the GOAT. Just make it known. He is the greatest of all time. The and best quarterback ever to play the game. It's really not even close to a debate. Not at it's all. It's not close to a debate. Their defense, man, they stepped up big time. Look, how about Todd Bowles? I mean, Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire league. And I feel as though we don't give him enough credit because his defenses over the years have been really, really good. Those edge rushers, five sacks between the two of them. They did great Mm -hmm. pressuring Aaron Rodgers and keeping him uneasy the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, I feel as though Aaron Rodgers still had time to make his throws. He still had time to escape the pocket and make throws downfield. His receivers were dropping passes. Yeah. And then... The bogus play calling by Lafleur at the end, and then you have you you have I mean one Valdez Scantley had a great game. Devonte Adams had an okay game, yeah. Solid. And then there's nothing else from no other receivers, and it's one of these things. Aaron Jones got hurt as well, so you know it's one of these things. He had too, it rough, yeah. Two two fumbles, mm-hmm. yeah. He had it rough. It's one of these things where I just I don't think Aaron Rodgers' supporting cast did their job. And people, okay. they can say what they want to say about Aaron Rodgers not making plays. There were so many passes that were in receivers' hands that they were dropped. Easy, easy first downs, moving the chains down the field. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, you know you have Indomitian, so you know you have Shaq Barrett and these guys coming down, Vita Vea and all these guys, these pass rushers trying to attack you and trying to collapse the pocket. And you just need pass catchers to make the play. 
just make this simple, easy catch that is falling right in your hands each time, by the way. It's not like there were contested catches where the hands weren't on the ball. And it's one of these things where Tom Brady's receivers made more plays than Aaron Rodgers' receivers. Oh, and for at sure. the end, for sure. Ke- Kevin King, I don't have any idea what you were doing this week. I'm going to pray for him. Two touchdowns. <laughs> Two I'm, touchdowns. I'm going to pray for him because he needs it. And I don't know what he was out there either doing. Either touchdown, it just didn't make any sense what he was doing. No, the one before halftime. That was the worst. Inexcusable. Yeah. Eight seconds left on the clock. What are you doing? Yo, you know it's bad when your arms are flailing out like this when you're running. That's how you know, one, you're burnt. Two, you look crazy. Put your arms in. That's not how they taught you to run. Yeah. Put your arms in. You look nuts. And three, you give up a touchdown. It's only eight seconds left. To Scotty Miller. A whole touchdown. To Scotty Miller. Like a 40-yard bomb. Yo, yeah. what are you doing? And it's not like the receiver did any. He The receiver didn't break him down or anything like that. He did nothing special. Just ran right running, by him. Yeah, ran he, right by him. He just ran right by him. It, it was sad. It, yeah, it was bad, man. And I want to get to the Packers side because I still think after all of that that the Packers had a chance to win that game. Yeah. Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers real quick. Yeah, I look over the sideline. I see, you know, five big guys around the field. There's a lot of gymnastics that has to happen to get us, uh, you know, to be able to go for it there. But, yeah, um, I don't know. That, that, that decision was made, and we then we moved on. Yeah, so. What Aaron Rodgers is referring to is the decision to kick the field goal on fourth and goal mm-hmm. with about a little over two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, right and before hoping, two minute Yeah, hoping yeah. that your defense can get a three and out on Tom Brady, who just needs a first down to win the game. Right. And if LaFleur, you know, his press conference after, he said he essentially had four timeouts and he relied on yeah. his defense to make mm-hmm. the stop. Here's the thing. Your defense struggled all day. Yeah. And the other thing is, yes, it is. You basically did have four touchdowns, I mean, four timeouts because you had the two-minute warning and your right. three timeouts. However, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league. And if there's anybody that can score in on fourth and goal – and make a play, it is Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Devontae Adams, I'm sure he was just like, Coach, what are you doing? You have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. He can make the play. And they're right there. They're right there. Yeah, on the eight-yard yeah, line. Yeah, because here's the thing. If you don't get it, the Bucks, they're right there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're deep st- in their own yeah. territory. In my mind, I think that it should be 70-30. LaFleur gets 70%. Aaron Rodgers get 30% of the mm-hmm. blame for this. Okay. Because, one, they threw to Devontae Adams, I want to say, three straight times in the red zone at that point. Also, that third down, from the looks of it, Aaron Rodgers could have ran, scrambled out right. He could have picked up, I would say. That would have been a touchdown. If not not a touchdown, I think he at least gets to the three-yard line. For sure. At the least, the three-yard line, which makes it a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. And I think that at that point, LaFleur goes for it for sure. Yeah. Regardless, he's the MVP. Mm Mm-hmm. He's going to be the MVP of the league. Right. It's Aaron freaking Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Aaron Rodgers. You have to let him go for that. You got to give him a chance because you kick the field goal, you're down five. Mm-hmm. You have to score a touchdown regardless. Regardless, exactly. You're going to have to score a touchdown regardless. So why not just go for it then? Yeah. You might as well go for it now while you're close. Yeah. It, and that's my logic. It's It's like you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's fourth and goal. This is this is the time where every quarterback wants the game to be on their shoulders. And you essentially took the ball out of your best player's hands and said, okay, we're going to trust Kevin King. And it's, <laughs> it's one of these things, you know what I mean? And Kevin King really was a weakness. He was a liability on Sunday because Jari, Jari Alexander did his thing. Uh, Darnell Savage did his thing. Like, 
these guys, the pass rushers, even got to Tom Brady a few times. Tom Brady had three interceptions. So the yeah. pass rush was getting right. to him. This The secondary outside of uh, Sullivan and, and Kevin King, they did their job. And it's one of these things, too, where if you're LaFleur, you know how the game is going. You knew that the Bucks eventually had they had the momentum first, right? And then your team, because you turned the ball over, you know, you, you had three interceptions against Tom Brady. The momentum switched in your favor. So you're yeah. moving the ball. Tom Brady was scoring. I mean, I'm sorry. Aaron Rodgers was scoring touchdowns and you guys were back within five points. So when you're in the fourth and goal situation in the red zone in the fourth quarter of a game, a little over two minutes left, Tom Brady's on the other sideline. As the coach, you have to you have to think like, all right, my defense clearly has been struggling, in, in, you know, covering the pass. Why do I not just put the, the game on Aaron Rodgers and say, you know what? The game's on you. Make the play. That's your best player. He's your best player, the MVP of the league. He's going to give you the best chance to win. Right. So you might as well put him in position to try to win the game for you. Right. What does this game mean for Aaron Rodgers' legacy? I think it took a hit. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, and it hurt because Aaron Rodgers is now 1-4 in NFC Championship games. The only other quarterback yep. to ever do that is Donovan McNabb. It's hurting Aaron Rodgers because we know he's so great. He's super talented. One and of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. He just he just only has one Super Bowl to show for. And he it. can't get over that little hump. Yeah, and it's it's one of these things where you got waxed last year against the 49ers. Yeah. And this year you lose to Tom Brady at Lambeau Field, of all places, when you had opportunities to win the game to score on drives and put the game away. Tom Brady threw three interceptions. Yep. That should have been, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's not like Tom Brady had a great game. 20 for 36, 280, three TDs, three picks. Yeah. Like, Aaron Rodgers, 33 of 48, 346, three TDs, one pick. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers had a much better game yeah, than Tom Brady. He did. But his supporting cast just didn't help him out. Exactly. And the thing about Tom Brady is he made the plays when they counted the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was in the clutch performance time. Tom Brady delivered mm -hmm. and Aaron Rodgers didn't have a chance to deliver because the coach took the ball out of his hands yeah I think it's unfortunate for Aaron Rodgers because he is one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen without question he just doesn't have all the hardware to show for it because LaFleur took the ball out of his best players hands and trusted his defense more than Aaron Rodgers yeah it's gonna be tough I mean going from Aaron Rodgers press conference where he said he doesn't know what the future holds mm -hmm. he's a little uncertain right now he yeah. said he needs to get away just to clear his mind and really think about what he wants to do in the offseason because it's got to be frustrating. Yeah. It's got to be frustrating for him. Mm -hmm. Somebody that's great as he is, who only has one Super Bowl, who keeps getting so close, and then to not even have the chance to take that next step yeah, because the ball's taken out of your hands. That hurts. Mm -hmm. That hurts, man. Let's jump to the AFC. We have the Bills and the Chiefs, and I want to give myself a pat on the back because I – was right indeed about the double digit win. Yeah. Are the Chiefs just that much better than everybody yes. in the AFC? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. It's you know, it's it's so funny because all you know, this year everybody was upset with the Chiefs because they weren't blowing teams out like they should. But you gotta realize this I, team I tried to tell y'all, man, I've been saying this for weeks now. I feel like they have never brought their A game once this entire season. They have been toying because they were bored throughout the regular season. They knew that they could get to the Super Bowl fairly easily. If they really wanted to turn up, they would turn up. And they showed you a glimpse of that this past Sunday. They were down early. I want to say 9 nothing. Yeah. And they reeled off like 28, 21 in the second quarter. Right. 
And it's like, what are you going to do to stop this team? You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't. The Bills had nothing for that. And I knew that the Bills did not want to get in a shootout with the Chiefs. You are not going to win that game. At all. You are not going to win that game. Do you think the Bills overachieved this season, though? I think that they fell into expectations. I felt like if you look at, yeah, if you look okay. at, you know, and I talked about it a few, actually I talked about it this year, you know, through the pod, you know, a couple of times. And I, I talked about Brandon Bean and how that team, the bills were building up, you know, over the last couple of years. I mean, through the draft, through free agency, just adding the necessary pieces uh, to, to support their quarterback. And then this off season, you know the big trade with stuff you know get Stephon Diggs you kind of saw the signs because you had a style offensive line you had a really good defensive line your secondary Tredavious White and those guys Poyer and all those guys in the secondary your team was rounding in the shape and it's one of these things where Brandon Bean took the opportunity to really build that team the way it needed to be built and that's from the inside out and when you surround your your quarterback with man beaters with you know Stephon Diggs Cole Beasley these guys John Brown you give him the weapons. You give him the running game. The offensive line was still stacked. You know, what I mean, your defensive line was getting pressure, and your secondary was rounding into shape. You know, week after week, and it's one of these things where we expected the Bills. They were actually, you know, our, one of our teams last year that you know I expected. I was like, they're going to be really good next year because they were, you know, they were trending upward. And it's one of these things they they did, you know, meet my expectations this year. However. We saw Josh Allen revert back to his old self in this game. Under pressure, you panic. And not ready yet. Still young. You still learning. He took multiple, and I mean multiple, 15 plus yard sacks. Yep. Things you cannot do. You he put your you put your team go from second and eight to third and twenty-one. Yeah. And he was struggling just reading the defense. And they weren't, I mean, Spagnola, the, the Chiefs de, uh, defensive coordinator, he didn't do anything special. He's running cover two. And if you're Josh Allen, you've seen cover two this year. Like, it's not – you've seen cover all, two. All season. <laughs> you've seen cover two this year. And it's one of these things where – and I'm looking, I'm like, man, is it this Chiefs secondary that's really challenging these receivers like this? Or is it Josh Allen reverting back to his old self? And I, my answer is I think he just reverted back to his old self. There's no way. And the Chiefs secondary did do a good job on their receivers. But if you're looking at Josh Allen and where his eyes are pre-snap, and then once the ball is snapped and look at how he's going and progressing and his reads and how he's releasing that ball into cover two, you can tell that it rattled him. For whatever reason, cover two really bothered him this game. And I, I have no explanation on why cover two bothered him so much. And I know, again, the Chiefs secondary really challenged their receivers. And at times, they did double Stephon Diggs. At times, they did. And it's one of I these things. Too. Where, Take yeah. your best player off the field. Yeah. And, you know, the Chiefs pass rush, of course, was getting to the quarterback. Yep. But they also sent a lot of safety blitzes, that, which means – you have a single high safety in the middle of the field and some of these possessions, you have to have some man beaters at that point in time. If you're Brian Dayball and Josh Allen, got to take advantage. And I'm looking at the game. I'm like, man, why does he keep on taking these 15 plus yard sacks and consistently putting his team out of striking range, whether it's a first down, whether it's a touchdown, whether it's a field goal range, like you're consistently taking you know, yards out of your progression on the offense. And, you know, usually the the Bills are really good on third down. They're really good in the red zone. And they weren't this game. They struggled mightily on offense. And even on defense, they had so much trouble with Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is a tough cover because he's so fast. He's so quick. And they also struggled 
with the tight end, Travis Kelsey. I mean, both guys ate them up. Kelsey, I think, had eight receptions in the first yeah. half alone. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. To my question earlier, I do think the Bills exceeded expectations for me because I didn't believe that they would be in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I did believe that they were good enough to make the playoffs, but I was not expecting the Bills that I seen the later half of the season. Mm-hmm. I thought they played exceptional football. For sure. I think they just ran into a team that has way too much firepower, um, way too much experience mm-hmm. together, and... Just a little overwhelming for Josh Allen, who hasn't really been in a situation with that amount of pressure. Yeah. So I think that him reverting back to his old ways, that is just like a a mechanism for him in his mind. Like, he's panicking. He doesn't know what to do. He has never been in this situation before. Right. To be up 9-0 and then look up and you're down Mm 21-9. Like, what happened? It's all in one quarter. It's literally like, what happened? Right. We got to put points on the board quick. And it's like, huh? I, I I don't know what to do. So now you're panicking. Now you're trying to do too much, and you end up taking these big sacks, and you end up third and long often. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just can't climb yourself out of that hole. And then the Chiefs just start piling on yeah. after that. Give me one winner and one loser of the weekend. My loser is is Aaron Rodgers. And okay, I say that because this was his year. Aaron Rodgers talked about it. There's not many. There's not many times where you get in that position to make a Super Bowl. You're in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers, this is only his fourth time going to the NFC Championship in his his illustrious career. Um, you know, when you have the opportunity like this, you need to capitalize because you don't know when you're going to be in that position again. You were at you had home field advantage throughout the playoffs. At Lambeau Field, at the first round bye, this was your opportunity to knock off Tom Brady, go to the Super Bowl. You fell short. My loser is is by far is Aaron Rodgers. All right, who's your winner? And my winner it's Tom Brady. We talked. Yeah. <laughs> we talked all season. Yeah. About his relationship with Bruce Arians. We talked all season about he's forty three years old. You know, is it him or Belichick? You know, the the one yeah. that you know, you know, kind of kept New England going. Is Tom Brady making a you know a decision off impulse? You know, what I mean, whatever. And we seen this year a resilient Tom Brady. And at 43 years old, somebody that has the plethora of weapons that he has, someone that we've seen consistently make insane play after insane play in crunch time, putting his team on his back in crunch time and making the plays that he needs to make and the fiery competitiveness that he plays with. A winner. And it's one of these things where you just have to marvel at who Tom Brady is. Yeah. And Tom Brady is the GOAT. He deserves and his flowers now and yeah. and when he retires. Because there's never been a quarterback to make 10 Super Bowls. There's nope. never been a quarterback to win six Super Bowls. Nope. He could be winning his seventh Super Bowl this year. Yep. Unprecedented. You know, it's, it's one of these things where you have to give credit where it's due. And Tom Brady deserved every ounce of credit for the things he's accomplished. Yeah, I'm going to take the same winner as you, Tom Brady, for all the same reasons that you, you know, mentioned. Yeah. I want to say that, yeah, the decision to leave the Patriots left a lot of people. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Bill Belichick? For Tom Brady to go to a brand new team in a pandemic, new system, new coaching staff, new teammates, for him to build this up in one year after all the ups and downs when they were blown out sometimes during the season for him to make the Super Bowl in his first season with the new team that's the ultimate take that Belichick that's the ultimate take that and then for him to bring a Super Bowl home to Tampa the first team ever to host a Super Bowl and play in it yeah 
I mean, like, what can you really say? You really can't say much. Just give the man his flowers. He deserves every single one of them. My loser is going to be the Packers organization. Okay. All but Aaron Rodgers. Mainly LaFleur, but I'm going to say the organization as a whole. I think that Aaron Rodgers truly might want to be out. I really do think that he feels that his time in Green Bay has come to an end. Yeah. The past few years now, the Packers have not been doing their part to surround Aaron Rodgers with the necessary weapons to take that next step. And he's been carrying this team in a sense for the last few years. And he's amazing. During the regular season, they're incredible. But for some reason, they can't take that next step in the playoffs. And I think that they could potentially lose their best asset, one of the best players in the league, a top three quarterback in the league, probably the league MVP. That's going to be a huge loss for the Packers organization. So that's why I say the Packers are my biggest losers of the week. How about this? And I know I know it's it's not going to happen, more than likely not going to happen. But could you imagine Aaron Rodgers forcing his way out of Green Bay? And let's say... Let's say the Rams and the Packers work something out, a, a, a deal w- which would send a Jared Goff or someone with multiple picks to Packers in exchange for Aaron Rodgers and like, you know, some some switches, you know, some pick switch swaps. Could you imagine a team that would feature Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald and Jaren, like Jalen Ramsey? With Cooper Cup and Robert, <laughs> and Robert Woods, Woods Cam Akers. Van Jefferson, that team would be ridiculous, and I mean ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that and Aaron Rodgers is from LA, by the way. I think Aaron Rodgers is salivating at the chance to potentially go to a new team with those type of weapons, yeah. and flourish. And mm-hmm. I think that he can do it. And speaking of Deshaun Watson. He said the coaching is not going to have any effect on his decision. He wants out. Yeah. Matthew Stafford and the Lions, they've agreed to mutually part ways. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff could be out in L.A. Carson Wentz could be out in Philly. Yep. Matt Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan could be out in Atlanta. Yep. So many quarterbacks possibly on the move, man. Which Jimmy Garoppolo. One, <laughs> which names or names, excuse me, which yeah. name are you most intrigued by this offseason? I'm watching the Matthew Stafford thing because I think that if he can go to a contender, oh yeah, they're they're cooking. Um, Stafford's really yeah. underappreciated. He's very good. He's really very, really very good. good. He's very underappreciated in Detroit. Matthew Stafford. I'm also looking at Deshaun Watson. That's a huge one. Yeah, for um, sure. And Carson, the Carson one situation really, really is, is is interesting because this is going to have multiple layers. And what I mean by that is. You had the Jalen the Jalen Hurts aspect. You had the organization. Then you have Carson Wentz and his camp was going on there in Philly. Let's say Carson Wentz gets traded. You know, he flourishes at his next destination. Like, people are going to point the finger at Philly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if he doesn't flourish, people are going to point the finger at Carson Wentz. Yeah. And, you know what I mean, if, if Jalen Hurts doesn't perform up to expectation – you know, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of stuff going on in that circle right there that's going to be really interesting to figure out, A, how the new coach is going to to go about choosing his quarterback. And I know reports came out this weekend that Carson Wentz has not decided whether he wants a trade or not yet, and he has not formally requested a trade. But however, my personal feeling is that you cannot bring Carson Wentz back in that situation if Jalen Hurts is still there. If you're Carson Wentz, why would you want to go back to that situation where there's been reports about you 
meshing with the locker room. There's reports about you and Doug Peterson. You you had the worst year of your career this past year. Everybody's piling on you all year. I will say this. Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. He really is a good quarterback, and I don't think people give him the credit he needs. I mean, he just he had a bad year this year. Everybody has had a bad year in their career. Look, I think Carson Wentz is going to be fine. I just don't think he's going to be fine in Philly. All right. I'm going to say Deshaun Watson is the most intriguing name. Yeah. I do think Matthew Stafford going to a contender, mm-hmm. potentially the Colts. The Colts. Yeah, potentially the Colts. I think even him in Chicago would yeah, be huge. For sure. With a good defense if like that. You can that, keep Allen Robinson in Chicago yeah. with Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Stafford. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with a good defense already. Yeah. I think that, that'd be a huge And a run move. game. And, yeah, and a run game. I think that Watson out there, Watson to San Francisco, like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. And, yeah, new quarterback in L.A., I think any one of those quarterbacks, aside from Jared Goff, yeah. makes them an immediate Super Bowl for sure. contender. For sure. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, a Deshaun Watson, uh, Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. even a Matt Ryan. I yeah. think even a Matt Ryan on a team like the Rams would be huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think that would be huge for them. So I'm very interested to see that. And I think that if Carson Wentz can play like he did last season mm-hmm. and not this past season, if he goes to a contender, especially – a Colts, which everyone thinks that he probably mm-hmm. will go with to. Frank Wright. Yeah, with Frank Wright. I think that they're immediate contenders as well. It just all depended on who shows up as yeah. far as Carson. Which Carson is going to show up? Is it going to be last year's mm-hmm. or is it going to be this past year's? Right. But speaking of the Eagles, y'all hired a new coach, man. Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Are you excited? Was that what you expected in Philly? I just didn't want Josh McDaniels. And I, I think that this is an intriguing hire. You look at how his coaching staff is starting to shake out. You have Nick Sirianni, 39, uh, Shane Steichen, 37. You have the defensive coordinator, who's 38. You have a very, very young coaching staff. And, you know, I know that they're still filling out filling out positions. This is really interesting for the organization because you went from almost an all-veteran coaching staff to an like a bunch of guys who – you know, Sirianni, his first year as a head coach. You have Shane Steichen going back to his same position as the offensive coordinator. You have your defensive coordinator coming over from the Colts, who was their secondary coach last year. A lot of new faces in the building. It's going to be interesting how to, to see how things shake out with the locker room. You have Deuce Daly leaving, the running back coach that's been with the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time, going to the Lions and Dan Campbell. And then you had this the, the quarterback situation, right? You ha- you're a new head coach. First year head coach, and you have a situation, a quarterback, you need to figure out. However, from everything I've heard about the defensive coordinator, you're going to be running a lot of cover two. You're going to be blitzing a lot more than Jim Schwartz did. The linebacker play is going to be, you know, pivotal. Obviously, you know, you're not going to need as many elite, you know, secondary pieces uh, because because of the scheme. Um, the pass rush is going to be huge. This is going to be this is a really interesting coaching staff. All right. No, well said. Um, going to be a new regime over there in Philly. Looks like it's going to be a new culture mm-hmm. over there. And it's going to be interesting to watch in the offseason. I guess the main thing now is seeing if Carson Wentz will stick around. Right. Some quick takes before we get out of here, man. McGregor, TKO'd again. Should he just hang it up permanently? No. Buy it again. Make your money. That's a good way to look at it. I think, yeah, I think he, at this point he's only fighting for the money. I don't think he really wants to fight anymore. I yeah. think he just wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. He misses the checks. Yep. I mean, he's still a big name. People are still going to watch. Yep. But I don't think he wants to fight anymore. Like, I've seen him now in back-to-back fights get put to sleep, yeah. essentially. 
Knocked out. Yeah, he's basically Nate Robinson in there. <laughs> so, right. like, right. he's basically Nate Robinson in there. So, Senior Bowl coming up. Mm-hmm. The uh, the weigh-ins were today. Um, yep. Where there's a lot of a lot of prospects we're looking at this week and how they perform the Senior Bowl. I believe uh, it's the Dolphins and I forgot who the other team is. They're coaching the Senior Bowl this week. So we're gonna find out. Like, you know, there's gonna be storylines coming out of the Senior Bowl all week. Um, and you know, it's obviously a different format this week because of COVID. So yep. the different things are going to be happening. You know, there's, you know, kind of restricted time that the organizations can talk to the players. You can't really work players out. You can have, you know, conversations. Usually what happens in the senior bowl week is, you know, usually the players all are in one hotel and, you know, representatives from teams can just grab them as they're walking in the lobby and talk to them, ask them, interview them right there. Like, Every floor of the hotel is usually essentially, you know, teams are set up and they're interviewing players. And yeah, all that for kind media. Of thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, but that is not going to be the case this year. So we're going to see, you know, how that shakes out. And, you know, the information that these teams are going through, I know I listened to several interviews this week uh, with organizations, you know, the heads of organizations, VP of player personnel, general managers, and so on and so forth, and scouts. Um, they talked about, the season in college football and how they acquired information because I mean, you, of course you send scouts to multiple games and you know, the area scouts go to wherever area they're, they're at. Um, but the information sharing and, you know, talking to coaches and things like that, like they've really had to do a lot of zoom, uh, you know, meetings and a lot of uh, teams meetings and things like that. So the infrastructure of how you would evaluate or acquire information on a certain prospect, you know, it's different this year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is something to watch going forward because the, you know, the information you would get in person by talking and working and, you know, seeing that player face to face, you're probably not going to get, this time around. So we'll see how, you know, the prospects fall. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot tougher to actually evaluate the talent head on. You remember last year we were talking about how Herbert didn't have Mm -hmm. like the right, the right interviews and like, he didn't seem like he had it all together as far as confidence in his interviews and things like that. But I mean, he came out and balled. So Mm -hmm. and give credit to Pep Hamilton. Yeah. (laughs) He he came out, he came out and balled. So that was that, but yeah, it's going to be a little different to gather the information Mm -hmm. to really get, beneath these players shells as far as just off the football field and yeah. see where they at mentally and see if they you know are ready to handle an environment like the team that you potentially want them to play for yeah. so it's going to be a little different this year definitely a little bit different when it comes to the nfl draft um, not only the senior bowl but the nfl combine is going to be completely different this year um the nfl draft i mean it's going it's scheduled to be held in indianapolis oh i'm sorry cleveland it's scheduled to be in cleveland this year and there's not word whether it's going to be in person or not, or whether they're just going to have another virtual draft. So mm-hmm. keep that on your radar as well. And before we get out of here, man, today is the 26th of January, officially one year since the passing of the legendary Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's no way that we could end the show without just saying a few words about what Kobe meant as far as a leader, as far as a motivator, as far as a warrior, a winner, what did Kobe mean to you, man? Kobe Bryant was a, a huge part of my childhood um, because I grew up in a in a household where they loved Kobe. They, uh, you know, I, I grew up, you know, my stepfather, my mom, my brother, all Lakers fans, all love Kobe Bryant to death. I mean, I've watched so many games of Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. um, and. 
I've seen him win multiple championships, not only only yes. with uh, Kobe and Shaq, but you know a- after Shaq. I mean, Pau Gasol and those guys, uh, the back to back championship yep. run, uh, the eighty one point game. I mean, you know, game after game after game, I've seen so much of Kobe Bryant, and he. I mean, he was so much more than a basketball player. Yes, global icon. I mean, he spoke what six languages? Um, he, Maybe more than that. To he be won. Honest. He won an Academy Award. I mean, Kobe Bryant is such an icon. Like you, you can put him in the likes of a Michael Jackson, and, and you know, as as you know, global yep. as he is. Yep. Um, and you know, he loved his family. He loved his daughter. Um, you know, all his daughters actually. Literally. And you know, he he was he was just a different breed of, of ball player. He came from that Michael Jordan breed, which I mean, he essentially he was a carbon copy of Michael Jordan, which was crazy. It's insane. Um, and he only fell one one ring short of reaching Mike's yep. <laughs> championship run. But um, no, Kobe Kobe has his own mentality. Like Mamba mentality Literally. is really a thing that players still talk about, whether you're playing basketball or not. Football players have you know revered it, and and so on and so forth. And you look at the impact that he left on this world when he passed away just a year ago um, and how many people were touched and, and, you know, and hurt by his passing and what he meant was so special to all of us. And I think we shared in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is what Kobe wanted to unite people. Yeah. Before he, before he passed, he, he did so much for women's basketball. Literally. And to the point now where women basketball players, WNBA players, you know, specifically their, their revenue has went up. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid more. Like the things he's doing for women's rights. They're, like, on, they're on TV more. Yeah, they're on TV more. Yep. Kobe has done so much of the groundwork for women's basketball that people don't, don't realize. And then there's Kobe, the, the tor- the storyteller, right? I mean, he had his, his own thing on, you know, ESPN plus, but he did, he, you know, when he, before he passed away, he was working on a new series with yep. Disney you know, doing stuff and, and, and don't doing short films for kids. And Kobe, the storyteller, it's funny how the tables turn because when he was a player, he always valued reporters and, and journalists as he, you know, people were texting him or calling him and he will always ask them questions on how they told their stories. And then as he got older, once he retired and he wanted to get into storytelling, he, he reached out to them. And ask them how he should tell a certain story or, you know, the ideas that, you know, he should do while, you know, storytelling. And Kobe studied. He studied it. I mean, he studied, you know, how to how to get in contact, you know, or keep kids attention and how to tell certain stories a way that everybody will be able to comprehend it. And, you know, I think that you have Kobe, the basketball player, you have Kobe, the father and the husband, and then you have Kobe, the storyteller and it's really interesting how that one guy can affect that many people in a global spread of, of what he's did. Kobe meant everything to me. Yeah. Kobe was my favorite player. Um, I grew up watching Kobe, mm-hmm. seen the three P with Shaq. Yep. Turmoil hit. Mm-hmm. They split. A lot of people took Shaq's side. Yep. Sure did. And then Kobe ended up winning two more with Gasol. Mm-hmm. Kobe was the ultimate warrior, the ultimate competitor. A clone copy of Michael Jordan, yep. like you said, from the fadeaway, mm-hmm. the talk, the trash talk, yep. the mentality. He's somebody who put in 130% no matter what he did. Yeah. And I think that for him to do that outside of basketball, that gave people a real 
view of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. He dedicated his life to his family after basketball. Yeah. He dedicated his life to his art, mm-hmm. to his storytelling after basketball. He created Dear Basketball, won an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Like he helped, like you said, bring up women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And Kobe to go out his final game, 60 piece. Wing dinner. <laughs> 60 piece on him. Yeah. He was a menace, man. There was never a game that you thought you were out of it when you had Kobe Bryant on your team. Yeah. You could always watch and he would make the toughest shots. And the thing that I like most about him was his mentality. Mm-hmm. I think the mama mentality literally can be applied to anything in anything, life. Anything. Anything. It yeah. goes so far beyond basketball. Yeah. He put 110% into everything. And he said, if you always work, if you continue to work, as the weeks go by, as the years go by, that separation will continue to grow and grow until your head and shoulders better than your opponent. Mm-hmm. And he lived every day like that. Sure did. He lived every single day like that. So... We miss you, Kobe. Rest in peace to his daughter as well and the other victims in that helicopter yeah. crash. Yeah, families are in our prayers. Yes, the families are in our prayers. We lost an icon that day. And before we go, I just want to share my favorite interview of Kobe. It's about him when he was only eight years old, <laughs> dropping a 60-piece. I-, I scored my first 60-point game when I was eight. What did you just say? I had 63 when I was eight. You scored 63 points when you were eight years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is just de rigueur for everyone? Or are you starting to think, well, okay. No, but it was something very simple that I figured out at eight years old is that other eight-year-olds can't dribble with their left hand. So there was something that simple for me. And so when I was guarding the ball, I always made sure I guarded the ball during that game. I'd always just let them have a couple of dribbles with their right hand and then jump on their right hand and make them change it over to their left. And they would bobble the ball, fumble the ball. I'd pick it up, go lay it up. And I just did this all game. So I wound up with 63. <laughs> 63 points, eight years old. I'm about to go get my nephew in the gym, man. I got to. <laughs> <laughs> I got to, man. I have to. I'm going to play this for him. I'm like, I want you to study all the players on the court. Yeah. <laughs> who's left-handed, who's not. <laughs> You max preps? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm getting him ready. 2032 draft. <laughs> yeah. 2032 NBA draft, man. He's going to be ready. I'm going to have him do the Mamba grit and everything. I'm oh, like, I want you to bite man. your jersey next time you hit that three-pointer. <laughs> he going to be in his bedroom biting the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my sister going to hate me. <laughs> all right, man, with that being said, I'd like to thank all y'all for listening. Thank y'all for tuning in. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Always Matter. Again, rest in peace to the Mamba and the Mamba Sita and the others and their families. Y'all are in our prayers. We thank y'all. We're here for y'all. We love y'all. And we appreciate y'all guys. Definitely, man. We're we're definitely keeping the families uh, in our prayers and we're we're making sure, you know, always thinking about Kobe and, and Gianna for sure um, for sure and, and you know you know his family as well you know Vanessa and, and the rest of the kids there'll never be so, another Kobe man for sure um, guys Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify SoundCloud and any other platforms you listen to us on please subscribe like share push us out there share us we're out here to give you all the news and you know in sports and information support your boys And with that said, put 110% into everything that you do. 
That's what mama will want. I'm out of here. Yup. Really thought it ain't no debate. No way, ain't no escape. Big dog eating off the plate. Cool breeze marked with the same. Flexed up now, John Cena. Rocked up more than Serena. Wife a baddie looking like Nia. More drip, more than a leader. I'm at the wood, I said I would get. No mediocre, I'm feeling like tip. Sound like to me, we got us a hit. They can't even drip line. So savvy is a swag daddy. Red eye flights out to Cali. Holding bags looking like a caddy. Penthouse vibes, no addy.